In this episode of the Nesson Soccer Podcast, we preview PSG versus Bayern Munich in the 2020 Champions League final. And we peel back the curtain on the debacle developing between Lionel Messi and Barcelona. Hello and welcome into the Nesson Soccer Podcast. I am Mark along with Marcus. Marcus, good, uh, good evening, good late afternoon. Uh, hi, yeah, good, uh, good to be here. Yeah, uh, so today, Marcus, you and I are going to go deep dive on the Champions League final between Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern Munich, uh, and as well as uh, really peel back the curtain on Lionel Messi, Barcelona, and everything going on there. But uh, first, we kind of wanted to just, as part of our Champions League final uh, preview, we're going to recap kind of the semifinals that wrapped up yesterday. Uh, I mean, first of all, just the Champions League uh, tournament that has gone on so far in these like, past two and a half weeks, it's just been a unique experience overall. But uh, what, what, do you, what have you taken away from the past couple of weeks? Well, you know, the big question, um, you know, our loyal listeners will know that we do this on Thursdays usually. And since last episode, we've had the Champions League quarterfinals and uh, the Champions League semifinals both go on. And I mean, the outcomes have been uh, surprising to say the least. You have uh, in the last four, Lyon beating Man City, uh, PSG getting... Uh, PSG outlasting Atalanta was no surprise, but RB Leipzig was in there. Uh, you've got Bayern Munich, of course. Um, so, you know, the, the biggest takeaway or one of the biggest results is that there are no Spanish, Italians, or English teams in this season's Champions League semifinals. Uh, right. Really the first time in history. These are supposed to be the big leagues uh, with uh, France and Germany, at least in recent years. Uh, taking a back seat and now this year is um, you know it's it's turned everything on its head right what else is that not the case for in 2020 and people <laughs> question you know is this does it represent a power shift away from these leagues that have been more dominant uh, certainly this century um, I would probably say no you know there's right. so many so many variables so many uh, 2020 is such a weird year uh, in sports and in life that, you know, you can't really draw these major conclusions based off of this uh, really short 12-day tournament taking right. place in mid to late August. Well, it's, uh, it's fascinating because I agree with every word you said, Marcus. You can't really draw any big conclusions from this tournament. But it doesn't seem to be stopping the clubs from uh, drawing big conclusions. Uh, we saw what has gone on at Juventus and uh, now Barcelona – um, and, uh, but we'll, we'll get into the, the chaos surrounding soccer, uh, soon enough. First, we're going to talk about the Champions League final, Paris Saint-Germain versus Bayern Munich, 3 p.m. Eastern on Sunday in Lisbon. Um, the French champions versus the German champions. And it seems to be, have been like this decade long quest for PSG to make it to the Champions League final and to win the Champions League mm -hmm. final ever since their new sort of 
mega money owners took over and we've seen players like Zlatan Ibrahimovic and many others take the field for PSG. Um, and they've always kind of been this, you know, kind of glitz and glamour club in, in this era. And while they are still certainly that, they seem to be kind of a little bit newer version and, and more resilient version of themselves. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is PSG's first ever final for the Champions League or the European Cup. Um, despite dominating uh, in France domestically with Ligue 1 titles and uh, domestic cup titles, um, kind of a, a rocky road to get to the final, uh, at least in the quarterfinals, coming back against Atalanta and then maybe getting um, certainly looked great against RB Leipzig and all the credit to Leipzig for the campaign that they've had, but to, to face Leipzig in the, in the semifinals of a champions league is uh, is a good draw, I would say. So, um, but nonetheless, they're in the final and uh, just what a campaign they've had, Marcus. Yeah, they've been, um, you know, this is, this is not uh, the PSG of yesteryear. Um, what they have done is shown, a lot more grit, uh, a lot more heart. You know, we, we've gotten so used to seeing them just collapse in the Champions League knockout rounds or, um, you know, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory year yeah. in, year out. It's, uh, it's really surprising <laughs> to see them, you know, in the Champions League final. Now, had you asked me at the start of this season, where would I uh, peg PSG? I thought maybe this was the year they could reach the semifinal. Um, and that's more due to Mbappe's development than anything, and also the arrival of Kaylor Navas. Um, so PSG has, uh, they're still dominating France, like always, but right. uh, they're showing a little bit more savvy and a little bit more steel in Europe this year, which, uh, you know, it's, it, I applaud them for it. And I, I'll be the first one to say, uh, you know, to talk about how this year's tournament, uh, maybe it, you know, I won't use the word asterisk. Somebody else can, but um, there'll, there'll be a bit of an asterisk. You surrounding. just did it, yeah. But uh, yeah, you see what I did there. The, uh, but you know, the the long and short of it is, this still matters to the fans. Uh, you know, there were running uh, clashes between fans and uh, police in Paris because thousands took to the Champs Elysees in celebration. Um, it, yeah. You know this. Yeah, it's happening. Uh, what, three or four months after it was uh, supposed to originally, but it still means a lot uh, for the people of Paris, one of Europe's great cities, and they've never been in the final of the uh, biggest competition. So congratulations yeah, to them. If the World Cup final is any indication, um, there will be a massive celebration if they can win this game on Sunday. But in order to do so, uh, and we'll, we'll dive more into PSG, but they'll have to beat Bayern Munich, who uh, it's their first trip back to the Champions League final since 2013. Uh, but it it's, doesn't really even feel like it. it. It's been that long, not just because they're Bayern Munich, but because they really have been a very dominant um, force, uh, winning eight straight Bundesliga titles. But also just they do seem to really be on the fringe every year of being a Champions League title winner. Um, and so this they're going for their third Champions League title. But 
it's like I said, kind of business as usual for Bayern. I, it was they demolished Barcelona. They easily took care of Lyon, and they really haven't had much trouble for months now. And it's kind of extended because of the hiatus pandemic that has gone on, continues to go on. But uh, Bayern has won 21 straight games dating back to February 9th. Um, where they had a draw and they haven't lost since January 11th. And that was a uh, kind of, uh, you could almost excuse them, the run of the mill Bundesliga road match um, that uh, they dropped. And, you know, like whenever the lights come on for Bayern Munich this season, they, they have had no trouble with any opponent that has stepped out in front of them. Uh, and that includes Lionel Messi and company. So, um, yeah, I think PSG is really up against it with Bayern. They've had not the toughest road so far, but eventually you run into the buzzsaw in the Champions League. You know, this season has been uh, so long. Um, so long it's actually stretching into next season. Yeah. Uh, Scottish League's already started. But <laughs> it's easy to forget, or I'd be remiss if I didn't remind you that Bayern Munich fired their coach at uh, the beginning of the year. Nico Kovac led the team into this season. And uh, long story short, it it was a bad fit. Uh, He came from, uh, I I believe it was Eintracht Frankfurt, a smaller club where he had led them to a lot of success. But his, uh, the, the, I think the, the stars in that Bayern dressing room didn't necessarily take to his methods. And uh, he was out of there earlier this season. They replaced him with Hansi Flick, who, you know, he's the consummate behind the scenes guy. You never really seen him, never really heard of him, but uh, he was on Yogi Love's staff in the uh, Germany camp in the 2014 world cup where they won. Um, so he knows a lot of these Bayern players. He knows uh, he, he's got a lot of cachet, uh, certainly in Germany and now beyond. Um, he's just somebody that, has come in, uh, he steadied the ship, and then after the winter break, and then certainly after the winter break, Bayern really started improving. And then after the uh, coronavirus pause, they've just been, uh, they've been unstoppable. As you said, they've won 21 straight games, but, you know, let's not forget where Bayern started this season. They were, they were locked in a title race with uh, RB Leipzig and Dortmund and uh, other teams in the, in the Bundesliga for, a really long stretch of the season, I would say, the majority of it. Yeah, I, uh, not to get uh, bogged down on the Bundesliga, but I think at the restart, uh, it was a very exciting time. At least, you know, that they were the only sport in the world uh, that was playing when the Bundesliga restarted. But, yeah, Dortmund and they, there was a bit of a tight race uh, for the title. But, of course, Bayern was leading as it when it began, and – went undefeated in their restart perfect record. So, um, but, you know, so we've kind of laid out the two teams that are going up against it. Uh, So we wanted to ask, what are we watching for uh, specifically in the Champions League final? And for me, I kind of look at what we just said in that PSG is an underdog to Bayern Munich and Bayern is kind of really this uh, super inform, you know, just juggernaut of a team right now. And I look at PSG and 
of course, you think about Neymar and Mbappe, and then you also think about what Bayern Munich did to Lionel Messi in Barcelona, and you also consider Juventus's uh, not so convincing Serie A title and uh, not a very good showing in the Champions League, and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo certainly not. You know, I mean, he's he's on the tail end of his career, so. Who's going to take the mantle as the the top player in the world or the one or two top players in the world? And I'm looking at PSG, and I think that those two players are on the same team in Neymar and Mbappe, and they have a chance to really step up and prove it. And I'm not talking about, okay, PSG plays well and Mbappe uh, you know, pushes a goal across and somehow PSG upsets Bayern Munich. I'm saying – if Mbappe or Neymar can go out and have a dominant performance against Bayern Munich, a type of performance that if they weren't on the field, their team would not have won the game, and to really elevate themselves and not just have the torch passed on to them through you know normal passage of time, but to just take the mantle as the top player, I think that's an opportunity that both players have. And they could potentially sort of both do it, maybe one of them has a phenomenal game and takes that title. Uh, but that's what I'm going to be looking for. I think that's kind of the most overarching uh, big picture storyline coming out of this game is uh, the potential for us to have a truly new uh, best player in the world uh, going into this upcoming campaign. Yeah. I mean, it's been something we've been watching for, uh, for years. It's who's going to, uh, who's going to take the mantle, the crown from, the player we call Messi Ronaldo. Um, <laughs> the, 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 you know, the funny thing is Neymar left Barcelona uh, a couple of years ago because he wanted to forge his own legacy and step out of his, uh, step out of the shadow that uh, Neymar, uh, sorry, that uh, Lionel Messi had cast at Barcelona. Uh, Neymar is now 28. Um, he's gone under a lot of criticism, a lot of injuries. And all of a sudden it's a, um, you know, it's like his time. He's become the complete player. I think he really showed that in the uh, semifinals. Um, you know, just his – everything he did was – there was real purpose. And, sure, he still showed his skills and he was dazzling. Um, but, you know, there was a real end product to it. Uh, he assisted one of the goals with a back heel. Um, you know, so Neymar, he's really grown up uh, as a player and as a person. And I think he's, he's become the leader of this PSG team and he's done it in a way that the others, whether the players are younger or older or in their prime like himself, will follow. Now, one of the great ironies is that he left Barcelona to escape Messi's shadow and he lands at exactly the moment Kylian Mbappe rises to the fore. Uh, Mbappe showed in the World Cup in 2018 he's ready to become, he, he's got next. Uh, and whether next is now, or maybe he waits two years or four years, um, you know, th there's no reason why he shouldn't be the best player in the world at some point between now and uh, 2025, 2026. It's, it, it's just, he's, he's that right. young. He's that good. Uh, he's won almost everything there is to win. If he wins the, uh, the champions league, I mean, what else can you say about the player? Right. He's only 21. He's still getting better. Um, but 
I think he and Neymar now have decided, or, or Neymar has decided that he's not going to go back to Barcelona. Uh, whatever he does, that's great. He's going to have to do it at PSG in his prime years. So I think uh, the team is really, it's really following his, his development and his growth. Yeah. Uh, it also, you know, it, it is funny that Neymar is kind of, I, I'm not sure he's in Mbappe's shadow. I think he's kind of just sharing the stage with Mbappe at this point. Uh, but, it, you know, Mbappe, I think, you know, and it's it's so tough because young players, even if they uh, have all the talent in the world, it's, it, you, you know, when Mbappe's 28, will we, he have had the career that Neymar has had? You want to, you think yes, and you think it's almost an easy yes, but you never know what's going to happen. But at the same time, Mbappe is from Paris, you're playing for PSG. So it's just kind of like this added, like, you know, I'm sure the people of Paris maybe are more inclined to get him, get behind Mbappe than they are to get behind Neymar, who is, you know, you know, he's not French. So what can you do? But uh, <laughs> so there is more to this game though, than Neymar and Mbappe. Uh, also PSG is dealing with a goalie situation uh, Kaylor Navas is still, uh, let's call it a game day decision just to keep it simple. Um, there's reports both ways. Sergio Rico has been the backup goalkeeper. He subbed on for the injured Navas uh, against Atalanta. He did not face a shot on goal in that game. Then against Leipzig, he had three saves in a shutout. And uh, aside from that, he had prior to this run of two games played in more or less not such important games for PSG this uh, past season before coronavirus hit. So more or less, he hasn't been tested and he's about to go up against Bayern Munich who are scoring goals at a rapid rate. Uh, so it's definitely, he's going to get tested, no doubt about it. And PSG is not some sort of impenetrable defense in the back. So uh you know, it's it's kind of a make-or-break moment for Sergio Rico if he gets the opportunity to play. Also for Kaylor Navas, if he comes back from injury and plays in this game, you know, it's kind of an opportunity to take on maybe some sort of all-time goalkeeper status if he can put together a clean sheet or only surrender one goal versus Bayern Munich, which uh, would be, I think, after watching Bayern Munich's last few games uh, – quite a feat to hold them to one goal yeah uh put some respect on Kayla Navis's name he's going to be the f he's going to be the first goalkeeper uh well he could be the right. first goalkeeper if he plays I don't expect him to play it's a hamstring injury usually those takes weeks to uh to heal uh his has been a matter of days I think at this point uh but if he's in the squad if he even if he's on the substitutes bench, he could be the first goalkeeper to win four Champions League titles. Um, so Kaylin Navas, yeah, I guess you'd have to put him in legendary status among the players of his position. Um, you know, we, we know how good he is. He won, uh, you know, he's shown it in the World Cup. He's shown it at Real Madrid, showed it for PSG, led them to, uh, you know, league and cup victories. The problem is Sergio Rico is probably going to play, and the name Loris Carius comes to mind. You remember him? Yep. 
uh, Loris Karius, Liverpool's goalkeeper, who uh, in the 2018 Champions League final against Real Madrid just had, uh, he put up a stinker. And, you know, it just shows that the, the value of a good goalkeeper uh, when you have somebody back there who's secure, who uh, the defense believes in, organizes the defense, the team defends better. It's that simple. Uh, you have to think PSG is going to drop in that department under uh, with Sergio Rico back there, but you never know. Will it be become a carrier situation where uh, you become a meme and, uh, you know, the team basically loans you out or gets you out of there as soon as possible? Uh, we don't know, but uh, I think PSG really could suffer without him. Uh, yeah. That is unless Sergio Rico plays the game of his life, which, you know, these are the things uh, that are the subjects of movie scripts. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a make or break moment for Rico in his career. I mean, you just look at Loris Karius. He's been on loan at Besiktas ever since that Champions League final, which almost sounds like punishment. So, um, and, you know, no appearances for his national team, although he's German, so it's a very tough team to break into. But, you know, if you do put in a good performance for a guy like Sergio Rico, I mean, you're suddenly on top of the world. Uh, but, you know, uh, tough situation goalie-wise for PSG. So another reason why they're kind of up against it. And... Um, you know, we wanted to hit real quick on the Bayern Munich stars, uh, cementing their legacy if they can somehow win this game. Uh, not somehow, but, uh, you know, I mean, they, they kind of have a star-studded roster. So, uh, you know, do you want to talk real quick about what they're, uh, what they're kind of going for if they, or what they'll accomplish if they win this Yeah, game? I look at this uh, Bayern Munich team. This really is a chance for – uh, their veterans to cement themselves as, uh, I, I, I guess, modern day greats. Um, they could. I'm thinking about the likes of Manuel Neuer, uh, Jerome Boateng, David Alaba. Um, who else is in that team? Robert Lewandowski, uh, Thomas Muller is another one. These are guys that. Uh, Alaba aside, they won the World Cup in 2014. Uh, they won the Champions League in 2013 with uh, Bayern. If you win two Champions Leagues or more, uh, the streets remember you for forever. Um, yeah. And that's just, that's just the case. These guys, they, they've been dominant domestically for so long. They won things on the European stage. They won things on the global stage. And if they can do it again, case closed, you know, they, these guys become, they, they join the ranks of the all-time greats, um, and we'll be talking about them for the next 20, 30, 40 years. Now, there's also another generation of Bayern players that are in their, uh, they're, they're in their mid to mid-20s. You can throw Alfonso Davies in there because he's, uh, he's only 19 years old, but I'm thinking of uh, guys like Joshua Kimmich, uh, Leon Goretzka, um, well, you can take a Serge Gnabry. These are players who have developed at Bayern and they become stars. And, you know, looking at their ages, they could be, they could be the next generation of global superstars for the next uh, four to six years should they stay 
hungry? Should they stay motivated and, you know, keep, keep doing what's got them to this point so far? So uh, it's really a chance for all of Bayern Munich to, you know, just, just cement themselves in some cases and announce themselves as uh, the, the coming generations of champions uh, and others. Yeah. Well, uh, certainly uh, plenty of storylines, as always, for the Champions League final. And like we mentioned before, there were plenty of storylines in the knockout stages leading up to this. Probably none more notable than Bayern's 8-2 victory over Barcelona in the quarterfinals. Uh, Just an absolute embarrassment, something that you just – I mean, you look at the, the lineup that Barcelona rolled out in that game, it's not just Lionel Messi. I mean, they, Arturo Vidal, Luis Suarez, Gerard Piquet, Busquets, all in the game, and they, they give up 8-2. to two. Um, But first time Barca's conceded eight goals since 1946. Last time they lost 8-2, to two, it was 1935. Gerard Piquet, after the game, said that the, the club was at rock bottom. Uh, now there are serious rumors, it seems, that Lionel Messi – wants to leave immediately and not just after his 2021 contract expires. Um, Either scenario uh, of Messi leaving Barcelona, you know, is just, it's just odd to think about. I mean, he's Messi and Barcelona seem to be one in the same. Um, But yeah, Marcus, I mean, the, the dust has not settled from, there's a big cloud of dust just seems to be growing bigger and bigger, but, what can you make of it? Can you see through the dust at all um, of this situation? Yeah, this is, you know, it's really a case of Barcelona reaping what they sow. Uh, in 2015, they were on top of the world. They won the treble. Um, and, you know, that was a time where they could have really pushed to uh, revolutionize the club or set themselves up for the new generation uh, they didn't. What they've done was stuck with aging stars, some of, some of whom uh, you've mentioned. And the players that they've recruited just don't seem to be up to the standard that previous Barcelona generations had set. Um, now, when, they, when Barcelona lost to Roma, uh, they gave up. Uh, they lost a three-goal lead um, right. in the second leg to Roma in 2018 you knew something was up. Uh, It happened again against Liverpool in 2019. You knew something was up with this team. Uh, And then it all sort of started to collapse in January of this year. Uh, They fired Ernesto Valverde. Players were uh, in a war of words with the board of directors. Um, Since then, I mean, it's just been, they've let the uh, La Liga title slip out of their grasps. Now, this eight to two loss in uh, over in, in Portugal, but in the Champions League, uh, yeah. it, it was really a humiliation for Barcelona. And uh, Gerard Piquet was right; he said they're they're at rock bottom. Things need to change. Um, Lionel Messi reportedly believes that unless things change, there will be uh, you know he's going to have to go. So what? does that change look like? Uh, the squad needs surgery. Um, President Bartomeu, he, he said uh, Ter Stegen, Semedo, Frankie de Jong, Clement Longley, Ousmane Dembele, Antoine Griezmann, and Messi are the untouchables. Everyone else can be had probably for the right price. 
Um, you know, but the change also has to start way above yeah. the level of what goes on in the dressing room. Um, it already has. Kike Setien fired. Eric Abidal fired the day. Uh, he was the head coach fired on Monday. Eric Abidal, the sporting director fired on Tuesday. Uh, so these changes are happening, but the man at the top, Jose Maria Bartomeo, he's, he's, he's the president of the club. He's up for elections in March, 2021. Uh, it seems hard for me to, it, it, I have a hard time seeing how he's going to win given how right. unpopular uh, he appears to be at the time. Um, and the real question is, does, is 2020, 2021 going to be a stopgap year for Barcelona as they try and get their house in order under Ronald Koeman, who was just announced on Wednesday as the, as the head coach. Uh, he comes in on a two-year contract, but yeah, with that election in 2021, everybody knows when a new president comes in, he'll have his idea of uh, who, who he wants the coach to be. In fact, these, pres these candidates often run on the platform that they will in install fill-in-the-blank as coach. Uh, right. And you can fill in that blank as Xavi, uh, the one that they want. Uh, right. So, yeah, if, you know, things can get, things can become a lot worse at Barcelona. And what, uh, what will that, what impact will that have on Lionel Messi as yeah. he considers his future? I mean, I, you pretty much said it, Marcus, but just to kind of, I guess, hammer it home, I think that the time is now for Messi to leave Barcelona as well as the rest of these players. I mean, the, they have shown that as a collective, they can do no more than putter out in the Champions League knockout rounds. And, uh, you know, the La Liga title is not out of their reach, I guess. You know, they finished no worse than second the last eight years, I believe it is. And, before letting it slip away this year, they won two straight La Liga titles in 2018 and 2019. But, you know, it's an aging roster. And with players of this age, there are very few teams in any sort of historical sense in soccer that rolls out several, you know, four, five, six uh, players that are 32, 33 years old and has enormous success. Uh, you know, they can survive on – their experience and, and their, you know, talent that they still possess to, to keep them in the conversation. But, you know, Barcelona is not about being in the conversation. Barcelona is about, you know, winning the conversation as are all these teams. That's why it's, that's why you talk about uh, getting rid of Lionel Messi. Uh, it's because of, of just the enormous expectations that all these clubs have. But, you know, I just think as a, when you, the sum of their parts isn't enough anymore. Um, you need younger talent. Uh, and it's probably, and the thing is, if, if you can sell Messi and Suarez, Vidal, Piquet and Busquets and Ivan Rakitic, all those players that is named are at least 32 years old or older. That's six guys that you can get a ton of money back for. And, not just enter a rebuilding phase. You can essentially rebuild immediately with young talent that might take, you know, not even a full season to fully develop into a really dangerous team. 
I mean, look at how quick Liverpool kind of re- retooled and uh, is on top of the world right now. Um, and soon enough, you know, Liverpool will have, you know, it's like, well, what will they do to stay on top? And it's a, it's a never-ending struggle, as you mentioned. It was only 2015 when Barcelona was, you know, top of the world. Um, and it can change very, very quickly. Uh, so I think Barcelona made the mistake of sticking with their stars too long, and it's a classic mistake in sports. But, uh, you know, it brings us to this moment, and uh, certainly changes are coming. I think we know that at the very least, and uh, maybe even in a week's time. But, you know, it's a short transfer window. The, the seasons all start up in weeks from now. The January transfer window hopefully will be of a normal length. Maybe something will happen there. But I don't think we get to, you know, the end of Messi's contract. And Messi is still undecided about his Barcelona future. Either he'll be gone or we'll know where he'll have, you know, Barcelona will be, he'll have committed back to being part of the squad. Um, uh, you don't lose Messi and improve. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, <laughs> we've said that, uh, you know, it's, Who's going to go out and sign Messi? Like Manchester City, we, the the buyout is seven hundred million euros. So, like you see, like all these kind of bogus reports, really, of Manchester City, Juventus, PSG, all the big clubs who, in theory, might be able to afford a seven hundred million euro uh, transfer fee. Um, but it's like, why would you pay that much? to get a 33-year-old Lionel Messi when you can just invest, invest that money elsewhere in, you know, several players that could be 10 years younger and you can actually develop something with. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine that it really actually makes sense for any team to go after him for the price that he costs, which leads me to believe that ultimately I don't think he'll leave Barcelona and – but I think these other, I think we'll see a lot of the other stars gone sooner, sooner rather than later. Um, it's going to be a lot harder than uh, the scenario than what you say to do because one of the reasons they're at Barcelona is because Barcelona pays more than just about anyone else uh, in this COVID economic environment. Who's going to take Barcelona's rejects? and pay them uh, a lot of these guys have con- contracts that run for another one, two, three years. Who's going to take them and pay what they were earning before. Uh, right. I can only see this ending one way, which is Barcelona paying a lot of money for other teams to play their pay, their players. Yikes. What a nightmare for them. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but it's a nightmare of their own creation. They maneuvered themselves into this situation and uh, good luck to them. Yeah. Um, well, Marcus, we are running short on time. Uh, you know, we, we wanted to get to the Barcelona coach uh, situation. I think we touched on it a little bit. Um, it's just another piece of the, of the very complicated puzzle over at Barcelona. Um, is there anything you want to just touch on real quick with that? No, uh, it's. It, I, I think it's things are going to get worse before they get better, and it could cost them the services of Lionel Messi for the next over the next two to, or for the final 
two to four years of his career, which well, is a little sad. It is a little sad, but Marcus, don't let it damper uh, your Sunday when you're watching the Champions League final. I, uh, I, I will be sure to send you annoying text messages throughout the game. Yeah. Probably too much Alfonso Davies uh, analysis. I'll be sure to reply to them sometime in September, like as I usually <laughs> do. Uh, but uh, it's been fun talking to you, and I look forward to our next episode. Uh, to every, all the listeners out there, please uh, check out the new Nesson.com where you can find our podcast at Nesson.com slash podcast. Also, you can follow along with every episode of the Nesson Stalker podcast on iTunes and Spotify, as well as all of the other podcasts in the Nesson Podcast Network. Um, and please also be sure to download the new Nesson app, an easy way to keep track of uh, all your Nesson sports needs. Um, so just plenty of new stuff going on with Nesson.com and Nesson Digital. And uh, the Nesson Soccer Podcast is just one small part of that. And we're, we're very happy to be. But thanks for listening today. And we will talk to you again soon. Turn up the Rebel Radio Then why you must have to know Stop it, turn up the Rebel Radio